0: Hello, and welcome to another podcast Spark Hub episode. My name is Alan, and this will be categorized under history. Now, we all know how important history is. And in this episode, we're going to speak to two guys named Ali and Graham, who founded a podcast about just over a decade ago called The Rex Factor. What started as just a conversation between friends about diving deep on particular royal moments in British history translated quickly into a podcast when that was becoming a thing, and has now since branched into many, many different applications and opportunities um, to allow people to learn history in a fascinating way. So without further ado, let's dive in and hear all about The Rex Factor. So hello, Graham and Ali. Thank you for joining me today. Um, really appreciate your time. And um, I'm going to start, uh, as, tra- as is tradition here on Spark Hub, the topic or the category is history. And I would love, maybe we'll go in alphabetical order. Ali, we'll start with you. Do you have a quote about history that you love?
1: I've got, I do, but I'll have to ask Graham to, to tell me what it is. It's the one uh, from uh, <laughs> Elizabeth I, when she says about being quite a lady or something. I oh, know the King of England too heart yeah, of a lady and all that
2: the tilbury speech yeah. i may have the body of a weak and feeble woman but i have the heart and stomach of a king and a king of england too
1: yes because it was not only a great uh, a great quote uh, inspiring the spanish armada but delivered in essex and second of uh, third of all it was the basis of the start of this podcast um Uh well not specifically that but it was when we were starting (laughs) to think of the title for it it was that quote that um got bandied about a bit as a an absolutely awful idea for the title of this podcast by me (laughs) well that is
0: that is a great quote i love it it
1: it, um yeah it encapsulates this bit of my life
0: (laughs) so gentlemen um history um of all the topics that you guys could choose, why did you decide to go uh, and do history specifically as a podcast and specifically uh, royal history and call it the Rex Factor? I'd love to hear beyond the quote how you guys kicked this off and why you kicked this off.
2: Well, yeah, so we were um, friends from uh, work. So we we're both on a graduate scheme um, at our local uh, well, county council. And yeah, I think we just established over sort of various lunches, probably in the park in the sort of nice long summer days, that we both had a shared interest in history. So we both did it did it at university. And I can't remember exactly how we got to the point of monarchs and podcasts, but I think essentially we ended up with a kind of debate on who was England's best monarch. And Ali's favourite at that time was Edward I, and mine was... Um, at least in terms of interest uh, not necessarily the best but was Henry VIII and I think that sort of inspired the start and the idea of being able to find a way to decide who was the best by ranking them and having certain categories sort of top trump style that meant that you could say officially which one was the best and I think after that I went and had a quick look on Wikipedia at all the monarchs and was quite intrigued by some of the Saxon ones I'd never heard of before but had quite amusing or inspiring tales to them and I thought yeah I think this would be quite fun actually to do one on every single one
0: wow that's a that's a big list because it goes goes back thousands (laughs) of years doesn't it how long
2: how many is there
0: that we in from
2: of kings it was 50 odd that we did so it goes back to Alfred the Great in 871 the point at which we start so yes to say it's over a thousand years
0: so there's kind of a format that I use in Spark Hub. I always like to start with the end in mind and work backwards. And um, so, for example, what is the opportunity? The opportunity is to learn history. How do you get there? What are the sparks that you light along the way uh, to arrive at the opportunity? It sounds like a healthy competition. I mean, I could see why Henry VIII would be chosen. He is clearly uh, one of the one of the most fascinating monarchs, or, you know, even with global interests, let alone hmm. digging into the, the dukes of, of, of the area. But it, so so this podcast that you guys started it started out as a little bit as you say as a top trump as a competition, and it seems to have flowered because when I when I opened up the the Rex Factor, on I use uh, Apple and I was I was on podcasts in Apple. I found there was loads of episodes. So you guys have been mm. quite prolific, I and mean, it seems that forget just doing one per monarch. It seems you guys can go sideways, vertically, horizontally. You can delve into all kinds of stuff. So I'd love to hear how it went from this little competition to, to to what it is today like you guys just kept going by the sounds of it yeah you just grew
1: <laughs> yeah i mean that um there was there was definitely times uh early on where it would have been really easy to say well let's just pack it in but but uh graham fortunately has the organization just kept plugging away and um after a while there was uh, well quite quickly actually There was all these other characters that appeared that sort of sat outside of this uh, timeline that we were quite clearly working our way through that needed their own episodes. So quickly we saw that there was stuff outside of the the thing we'd created initially. And from there, we then started to do special episodes just on random subjects like tea that were sent in by people. Uh, So, yeah, it's just opened up the whole format for us. People
0: can get it quite was on, obsessed with tea. Sorry, go on oh,
1: yeah. No, I was just going to say, it was one of those where they sort of,
0: I guess the
2: monetization of podcasts to sort of help us as well, because initially that was something that we just didn't look at at all and didn't yeah. really have any interest in. So people used to ask if there was a way that they could donate. And initially we were saying, oh, well, no, no, it's fine. We just do this. But eventually we stuck on, I think a PayPal donate badge when we found that was there. And then we initially were hosted by a podcast provider called Podbean which Uh started doing a patron programme. Well, actually, initially, they had a bonus episodes programme that we discovered Mm. didn't really work properly because it hadn't been used until we started using it, and then there was problems. But (laughs) It was that
1: early in podcasting.
2: yeah. Yeah. But I think finding that there was a way that you could sell the special episodes or that people would donate mm. monthly then kind of sparked us, I suppose, to uh, start doing that extra content. Once you know that people are interested, and the more we start to do it, the more people start to sign up, you then start to have more ideas about things that we could do beyond just that basic mm. thing of reviewing the monarchs.
0: So this was was what I like to call in marketing user generated content UGC. So people starting to to not only engage with your content but want to actually want to participate and shape it. And um just give me a year that you started this just out of for historical reference. What year 2010, did you guys start? Was it? 2010? Yeah the podcast started in 2010 yeah. And you and you started at the same time in 2010.
1: Oh, that's no, that's when we started. That's when we started doing our podcasts. In
0: 2010. Yeah. yeah. See, that fascinates me because um, there's a, this might get a little technical, but you guys have maybe heard of the Web3, which is sort of the decentralized Internet, right, where things can live on blockchain and immutable ledgers. And it gets into really crazy stuff. But the essence of it is the topic you've chosen, which is history, seems to run deep with people. And what I've noticed uh, as, as myself as a marketer, and one of the reasons I'm starting Spark Hub myself is because I want to go on a similar journey. And I, and I love that what you guys have been through, that you started just as a, a conversation. And now suddenly your conversation has almost decentralized in the past few years. And now you have participation from the outside. And what's fascinating is people came to you wanting to give you money, which I find mm-hmm. amazing to do more, to mm-hmm. get to, to, to keep you going and stuff like that. And so when the initial donations came in, what was it used to improve your equipment to improve the frequency? Like, where where did that investment go when you started getting donations?
2: It did eventually. Like, I think initially we were just when it was just Podbean donation buttons. It was just one-off payments. So every mm-hmm. now and again, someone gave us some money, and then I guess we just sort of thought, "Oh, this is nice a little treat for us." Sort of like I think there's you know there's the website um, "Buy Me a Coffee" or things like mm-hmm. that, and it was that, almost that kind of thing. It was before mm-hmm. that, but it was that kind of effect. But I think once it started coming in. A bit more seriously and particularly once then there was the monthly uh, option that's when we started to think about how we could make improvements so our th- our first thing was to get new sound equipment because we just had a, a basic usb mic yeah. and sound wasn't all that great so we invested in <laughs> new proper microphones and getting a bit of sound quality And yeah, so initially, I think that was the focus of thinking, well, we can pay for this sort of stuff, the things that you have to spend money on, Mm. like microphones and the equipment that comes with it, like paying uh, to be hosted on the podcast, because also when you start to get more listens and more episodes, you have to get a slightly higher uh, account level with your provider. So initially, it was just that sort of thing, I think, really thinking, well, actually, we can do this for free now, basically, it no longer costs us Mm. to do this.
0: Amazing. And it makes me think of when I was a kid, I used to play racing games where you started out with a really crappy car and you'd win a couple races and you'd start snapping on new bits and you'd mm-hmm. improve the car and then you could win more races. Yeah. I, would be, I would be fascinated to know um, what you know about your audience, like what, who started taking an interest in this, how did they find you, and then where are you at today in terms of the profile of your audience and, and, and what countries they're in? Are you able to tell me more about that journey?
1: Well, we got we have the stuff that Facebook can give you, but they've started to close that down. A mm. no, de- uh, they
0: call it deprecation. They call it deprecation yeah. of audiences. They uh, a wonderful word for it. Anyway, go yeah. on. So. Uh,
1: but we have the we did have all the listens from Podbean, but now because we've gone over to Patreon, there's sort of we don't have that historic data anymore. But oh. what we do know is that it's mostly the states, by about one percent. I think it's fifty one percent the states, and just. About the same amount skewed to women, I think mm. maybe slightly more. Not and... not fifty one percent, but like they're the main. It's yeah, like
2: the US and UK are the, sort of the two big uh, blocks. Blocks, yeah, blocks of lessons, and yeah, as you say, sort of more more women than men. We think,
0: You think, I mean, uh, it's 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 interesting how much the Americans take an interest in British history, um, and so it doesn't surprise me at all that you guys yeah. are, are, are having such a, uh, you know, a big impact in the US and probably a great demand for it. They seem to love the, the Royals and the British history. Mm. And, uh,
1: yeah. And they're yeah. jolly generous as well. It really was that, that, that moment that Graham's talking about of when we put the PayPal button on um, was just about, it was fate. It was just about the time <laughs> when it was getting, uh, you know, we were doing it regularly. It was, it was more mm. than a hobby. Mm. But we didn't, you know. There was no end goal. It all just evolved. And at that point, Gray, I remember clearly, Graham saying, "Never guess what? Someone's given us some money." I went, "What? <laughs> oh, yeah, just put this button on there, and that people just gave us money because we were still having so much fun doing it that it was. It never struck us that really could make money from it. And it, I think at that point, we're like, hmm. "Well, I, I sort of smelt, smelt, smelt green blood, and went after it." <laughs> Well, we never really
2: promoted it or anything. Or sort of yeah. done anything like they, every so now it was and again. We, it was yeah. Really... So every now and again, like I think you know, like we got a thing in the Radio Times one time and other, other things like that. Every now and again, Take a graph. thing like that happened, and we thought, oh, maybe this is the thing that's going to see us skyrocket and become mm. this huge hit. And it never quite made such a massive change yeah. to stats or anything. So just going like that, it didn't feel like anything dramatic would happen. But I oh. think it is one of those where once we started doing more content because people were starting to give us money for it, that sort of drove more people to come to it. I don't know. It just somehow that it's a snowball
0: effect, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, in marketing. I think they call it the network effect. So you hit like a mm. tipping point and eventually you'll hit, you know, bigger and bigger audiences. And so it, it's, it's great that you guys have put in what sounds like nearly a decade of great conversation and it's yielded results because you've mm. got great audio equipment and, a, and clearly a, a great audience and so how do you start to interact with them do they do they make requests to you and say we'd love to hear more about this or I loved episode six can you can you dive deeper on I mean does it start to get to that level of interactivity?
1: Oh yeah 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 so that what were the early tiers that's how it started wasn't it Graham? At yeah early- so
2: like initially we just um we started doing just an episode which called the Privy Chamber which is basically kind of a bone extra stuff on the main episode that maybe doesn't make it into the main main podcast but a bit of extra notes I've cut out. Um, but yeah, but then we had a tier. The top tier was that people could commission a special episode where we do a kind of feature length on a, any topic of their choice. Really, um, we had to shut that down after a while because we had so many that we were kind of a backlog of several years that we've not quite finished oh. the podbean backlog yeah. yet. Because it was oh just my too many people. We did sounds, up. It's like Santa's getting too many letters. Yeah, we upped yeah. the level, but it just it, they still came in, so we just had to completely cancel it so what we sort of try to do now is we've got a tier where the whole reward tier level they get to commission so we kind of present options based on what they've suggested and then they all get to vote to decide on special episode and also a new thing we've got called local legends which is a kind of a quick shorter look at something which might be like a statue you've seen from your local area or a plaque or a, a building and you've always wondered what that's about or you do know but you'd like us to find out So we're sort of trying to find a way that we can get them to lead some of that bonus content.
1: Mm. So everything they pay for, they're involved in. Mm. Wow.
0: So you're kind of historical hired sleuths now. (laughs) Yeah. 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 A bit like... I like that. (laughs) Yeah, I like it too. and and surely it's very energizing to have that level of feedback and to be at a point where you can't get to it all. And and so how how frequent are you guys producing stuff uh each month or each week? Is it regular, your frequency of production or yeah?
2: Yeah, it's very regular now. So we um we do a thing called which will be doing after this called Tuesday Talks, which we called on a Monday but released on Tuesday. So that's weekly now for our um our subscribers on Patreon, so every week. We do a, just a chat on giving an update on what we've done uh, during the week and reading out messages and stuff that people have sent in. And then we try to have at least every two weeks on our the main feed, so the free podcast feed, at least two weeks um, have an episode out, which isn't necessarily always reviewing uh, a king or queen, but it's either that or like we've started doing interviews with other historians or things like that. So every couple of weeks releasing main episodes at least weekly bonus content and sometimes there's maybe more than one thing in a week um which that again is because of doing patreon um i now on mondays am paid by the podcast to do research so that's really freed up my ability to keep up the pace because there was a point where it like there's a tipping point actually where sometimes you can get too much extra stuff to do so there's a point where actually i couldn't keep up anymore particularly having young children and all the pandemic stuff and all that kind of thing, it started to get a little bit out of hand, but actually the Mondays has uh, now meant that I'm able to get solid research time. Uh, and that's enabling us to, you know, get very regular output. But
1: but then we've hit the same barrier where Graham's now got more time, so he can do more things. And then he runs out of time. <laughs> and it's a lovely effect, you know, it's really good. Um, and, and it's great that, you know, people are actually paying us now to the point where, you know, Graham's semi-professional podcasting—it's—it's it's great. Um, but the uh, the interactivity we were talking about a minute ago—it it gets to uh, quite an extreme level now with things like Discord that just weren't around at the very very start. That's right. And mm, now, yeah. sort of, we're—it's like it really is like we have a effectively a WhatsApp group of mm. all X <laughs> father fans. It's very so a whole new world.
0: It is, and that's why I was saying that this decentralization, or Discord, is 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 just one of, one of many apps that is that is now in that ecosystem. The, and and I don't like to use the word, but I'll use it because it's good. It's like almost the anti Facebook, the anti Twitter, the anti censorship, mm-hmm. which is which you know obviously has downsides. But I don't think you guys fall afoul of any of that type of stuff. It just seems like there's a hunger for what you're delivering, and which is it's wonderful to hear, Graham, that you you're able to dedicate stuff, and it sort of segues into my next question is all three of us here on this call have children and all three of us uh i imagine in in our own ways suffered during the pandemic uh, with the homeschooling and things like that and so what fascinates me and what i've been driven to do with spark hub is look at the alternative ways to to um get children to learn about certain topics and so for example history I'm doing my best to try and teach my son some form of history or at least say, hey, here's some content. I've tried to get him onto Rex Factor, but I think, uh, you know, you guys obviously target an older audience. So is has there ever been a demand for you guys to do something that's better for children? Like I'll, uh, an example I might use is Horrible Histories, which I see on the BBC, mm-hmm. and I find it a bit garish and a bit too too much you know but but i just wonder if you guys have i know you're busy but is there ever a question you could branch out into a form of rex factor for children say from the ages of six to 12 um has that ever come up has it ever been of an interest mm-hmm. or do you not have time to get to it what, what's your sort of thinking on teaching history to children in a fun way
1: we've got well we've had um we with the the uh, podcast is family friendly but obviously but the topic can be gruesome uh, but we've had some really good, um, oh, what's the word that doesn't sound awful in this, some really good developments, some projects in exactly that space where um, kids have really enjoyed it. So we did an animated show that um, is now used by the Richard III Museum. It was, it was about Richard III and the Richard III Museum use it to, for uh, their school trips. So the kids watch the show and then answer activity sheets uh, and that all came about from uh the history channel who were trying who sort of we were doing a what's it called a kickstarter type thing a mm.
0: crowd the crowdfunding yeah
1: yeah crowdfunding um and the history channel noticed this and we were going through the stages with them before they realized quite how much animation costs and yeah. pulled the plug on it <laughs> uh, Oh no but yeah, no, So there's always stuff going on, and as a result of the um, of that work with Richard III Museum, we're hopefully developing an app with them that we can then sell our intellectual property rights in this in this way. So we, actually, you know, app developers do the work, and we're just licensing them. So it frees us up to continue doing this whilst exploiting the value of it.
0: So at the, at its simplest level, is it the audio content that you've created? that has then been re, uh, repurposed for animations and now potentially apps is that sort of how it's progressed yes yeah, so, no uh, well, uh, well oh, sorry, sorry
2: no so we re-record so we worked with um so it's an animation company called tim mouse um animation which got in touch with us and um one of the main guy listened to rex factor and he happened to live um in chelmsford um so he said would you be interested in us animating you um she said yes um, so we did actually re-record so it was uh, Richard III so it was based on our podcast of Richard III that we done know, so it was an episode yeah but, yep, but yep. we re-recorded audio for the animation so it wasn't the original podcast we could kind of redo it and rework on it um, but obviously the work that we've done both um, the podcast and the research obviously is all there as a basis for picking stuff up and yeah as Ali said we're sort of looking at other things like that and we do get messages from teachers sometimes asking about whether that's something you'd be interested in doing and hmm. it definitely is but like you said it is one of those where if you kind of really want to target it you need to be able to spend time to actually really looking at the uh, curriculum and being a bit more specific rather than just here's what yeah. we do this is interesting
0: But I mean it's interesting to me because it, it strikes me there's two applications that pop to my mind um, and just before I get to that I was always a big fan in the early days of a Ricky Gervais podcast that he did with um, Carl Pil- Pilkington. And what they did is the Flintstone animators who originally mm-hmm. did all the Hanna-Barbera stuff, they literally took the audio as as is. They didn't re-record it and they just animated around yeah. the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've maybe assumed you guys have done similar, but it sounds like they came to you, loved the the source material, and then said, guys, let's, let's re-record, redo that. So uh, um, two applications that popped into my mind as you were talking is there's teachers who have a curriculum, as you say, and, and have to, by extension, test uh, that the knowledge has been absorbed. And then there's parents at home who are just trying to pass the mm. time. And um, I had a huge debate with a friend of mine who restricts their kids' screen time. So I, they have iPads and restricts it. They have a 30-minute countdown per day, and then they're out of time we in our household don't do that our kids i won't say unlimited but they sort of have free reign with their ipads as long as the uh, the content is quality and so that could be anything from bbc cbb's shows it could be you know good netflix shows sometimes we allow a little bit of garbage stuff but you'd be amazed how much at least my eldest son who's nine he goes onto YouTube and he, and he rabbit holes mm-hmm. into these science videos from the U.S. In fact, he keeps asking if we can move to the U.S. because they seem to have more freedom and more science, mm-hmm. according to him. And he'll come crashing into my bedroom in the morning and say, Daddy, do we have any knife, right, soft light, fuck, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, because I want to blow our toilet, toilet bowl up like this guy did on whatever channel. And so it's fascinating to me to see it's, it's about, for me at least, uh, uh, quality. Um, and quantity and not just restricting to 30 minutes a day. But I think something like what you guys are saying could be helpful to parents. And in, in other words, if there were say a series of what you did on, on any channel available anywhere and, and p- parents could just put great animations in front of the kids, they, they sponge this stuff off if it's delivered in the mm-hmm. right way. If it's delivered in the cartoony way, if it's got maybe a little bit of fart humor uh, mixed in, then actually it sticks. And it amazes me how much even a nine-year-old is learning a lot about science and outpaces me when, when it comes to, oh, how do you do this? How do you do that? He, he just knows it now because he just binges on these things. So I've rambled a bit, but I think that you know school isn't the only place this could live. Mm-hmm. I think and you know post-COVID-19, post-COVID, sorry, post-homeschooling, um, just having reams of content that you can dive into. And it's sort of what I'm trying to explore with Spark Hub on a personal level is is just just creating that quality content that's great for kids animation is perfect but as you say there's a production (laughs) cost to that it's very expensive and i remember as a kid doing frame by frame stuff so i can't imagine even with computers now it's it's probably more efficient, but as you say, to, to record one minute of animation is, is a hefty bill. Mm. Um, but I do think that, you know, I, I do wish that you guys uh, luck in continuing that because all the, the source material you've generated so far in audio, I certainly could see an application for it, for repurposing it, for creating great video content for it that can live in a sort of exam environment, as well as just parents who are fed up for the day mm-hmm. and want to hand their kids some... Mm-hmm stuff to watch the point being guys is i think that uh, that you have so many branches to what you do and if history can be made fascinating for all age groups mm-hmm. um you can take richard the third and like like the simpsons you can create layers with it you can create the kid-friendly mm-hmm. version and then you have the adult version who are probably going to keep you up at midnight on discord asking for a deeper dive yeah. on certain things <laughs> well gentlemen this has been a great chat i don't i, I you know i i conscious you need to get on to uh to your monday was it tuesday tuesday, tuesday talks, talks, that we recorded tuesday talks. <laughs> um, but i really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me i think rex factor is great and i do hope it becomes a tree of many branches obviously Thank if you. i can if i can help i will um but really thanks for telling me about the journey i'm quite an exciting one and, and one i hope to sort of emulate in my own way and then hopefully one day we can uh, collaborate a bit if i can get mine a bit further along as well
1: yeah awesome
0: Yeah, that's right great. All the best of the thing Thanks, guys. Have a great evening. All right. You too. Cheerio. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. Uh, If you like what you hear, you can dive into a lot more on thesparkhub.com.